Hi, it's Nick here from the Talk and Power podcast. We are proud to announce Auto One as our brand partner for the podcast. Auto One, it's the one. You can now order online with click and collect or get your order shipped. Head to www.autoone.com.au. Like us at the podcast, Auto One has a passion for cars and all things automotive. They understand your love of cars too. With great prices and the biggest brands you know and trust, they are sure to be able to help you with your project, whether it be replacing your wiper blades, fitting out your four-wheel drive with the latest gear, or rebuilding your dad's old HQ Holden. Not sure on how to install those spotlights? Don't panic. Just head to the website and click on the do-it-yourself videos, and Rico will talk you through the process. From Auto One in Albany, up to Auto One in Caratha, across to Auto One in Townsville, down to Auto One in Hobart, and over 50 stores in between. Auto One has a retail store nearby, with expert advice and the stock on hand. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with the team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, welcome to episode 91 of the Talk and Power podcast. And I am joined by Stan Coase and James McDonald. Thanks for... Having me here, guys. Oh, great to be here, um, Nick. Just looking forward to it. Look, uh, before we get too stuck into it, um, we're here at your your place tonight. We're going to talk all things Australian Street Machine Federation, the WA branch, yep. and what that's all about. But before we get stuck into that, I just need to, to cover off and... Um, we just need to announce our winner of the Auto One prize pool. John Sabo, congratulations, John. You've won the $50 gift card, so we'll be sending that out to you in the coming days, so congratulations. All you need to do is like, comment, and share the official Talk and Power episode 91 post. So he did that for episode 90 with Greg Carter. So, um, yeah, you, you too can win $50. We'll draw out one lucky winner who likes, comments, and shares the episode 91 post. And just like John Zabo, he'll be, you'll get $50 to spend at Auto One. And I think John, he's building a pretty stout new car. And I, I can't say too much, but that $50 will be gone like that. So. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's great. Yeah, it, is, it is good. <clears throat> All right, look, let's get stuck into it, guys. I mean, we let's just kick off by saying, um, once again, thanks for having us on. The Australian Street Machine Federation, WA. Stan, before we get stuck into that, tell us a little bit about yourself because some of our Eastern States listeners might not be aware of, of what you do and, right. and, and your history in uh, modifications. Okay, yeah. So tell us a little bit about your, your, you know, how how you all got started in this love well, affair with cars. I suppose, Nick, like, um, uh, well, I think I, I, we did some, I said some, some of it on our Facebook page when I grew up here. Um, this culture with modified cars, it really, it was part of growing up. So, like, um, obviously, 
being in the metal trades when, as I got into my apprenticeship, um, the car thing was still there, but modifying cars and having the, the group of people that I grew up with that all had the similar interests. We, um, yes, regulations to a point when we were younger, I'd, I'd say just because we were young, we sort of dismissed the proper regulations. But as, as I got older and, and um, what I, my hobby turned into a business, I actually, I looked more into the um, legalities of, of modified, mod, modifying cars, which then I found out there, there were a lot of problems, which a lot of people didn't voice, but they were having struggles with, um, mainly with the Department of Transport. Um, so uh, a friend of mine, a customer, come friend, had a, or has still a very beautiful HG Monaro. And uh, we were just casually talking about, you know, my Tirana hatchback, uh, putting a V8. And I just told him, look, there's a lot of frustration around it. There's restrictions. And he said, um, made me aware of what was going on in South Australia. So it sort of took me, well, I, I didn't realise that the, 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 um, the laws in South Australia were so good. Mm. Um, so anyway, long and short after that, I decided to contact the uh, Queensland division of the um, Australian Street Machine Federation. And, and from there, they were really um, helpful in, in, in listening to me and saying, look, if you want to open up a WA division, um, uh, yes, go ahead. You've got our authority. So I went through the, the legal channels of getting that registered. And um, from there, uh, I already had Claude on board, Claude Delise. And then I looked into another guy that is quite well known in the street machine scenes, and that was Chris Bitmead um, with his ex-boss Falcon. Mm. Um, and Chris, yeah, look, Chris went through the whole procedure with his car very very well built and engineered and chris was all credit to chris and everyone that was on that car i was lucky i, I had a small part in in the fabrication of of x-boss so um then i approached um, um uh, james from shannon's and um james came on board with a wealth of knowledge from the insurance side of things and um so between james claude chris um myself and obviously my wife, which, did, which continuously does all the ad administration, um, I started to contact some pollies over east and found out very quickly that, uh, yes, every state was starting to be, was interpreting the modification rules differently. And I was told that WA, if, if there was issues in WA, and that's what I was looking at trying to improve, I needed to concentrate on the WA state itself. So yeah, so look, to, to, to cut it short from that point, um, the rest of the help and information and research came from uh, James, um, Claude and uh, Chris. And together, we've just been moving forward. Recently, uh, we decided, so let me go back quickly. We started in 2016 and then from there, obviously now we're in 2020, we've now decided to put a Facebook page um, just to inform, keep people informed of our progress and what we've been doing. Uh, the reason why we didn't put anything out before that was because we had some confidentiality with government departments and it was not appropriate to release any information at that point. Um, I'm not saying we have succeeded in, in what we are trying to do and hence why, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that we're on your on your mm. podcast 
And, um, and yeah, look, with your podcast, Nick, hopefully um, myself tonight, and, I mean, um, I'd, I'd like James to, 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 to take it from here, but, um, James, what, what would you... Um, well, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell us, James. I mean, I mean, give us a little bit about your, your history as well, because a lot of people would know you from uh, donning on the, the yeah. polo and the Shannon's <laughs> the Shannon's gig and getting around with the Go Go Mobile. But um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about about yourself, and then yeah, I mean, sure. yeah, if you want to elaborate a little bit further right. on some of the some of the facts that mm-hmm. you found. Yeah, sure, sure. So. Um, I've been on your show a couple of times now, um, and most of your listeners would know me as James McDonald from Shannon's Insurance, and uh, I've touted a few times, you know, that uh, everyone from Shannon's is a motoring enthusiast, and uh, I guess you're, you're sort of seeing the, the tip of the iceberg here is, you know, me in, a, me in a different capacity, me, you know, not working for Shannon's, but sharing my love of, of modified and, and well, any vehicle really mm. um, in the in the community, and I've I've been part of the ASMF for a couple of years now. Um, Stan yeah. originally approached me, um, asking for information that that I could provide, um, and uh, we're we're always you know pretty, uh, I guess pretty pretty strict with the information that we can provide but yeah. Uh, yeah. Cer- certainly you know when when we see a good cause and we can get on board well we, we did and uh, and, yeah. and I continued sort of to move forwards you know in a personal capacity and that's why you know outside of hours I'm, I'm working with mm. a lot of this information and, uh, and and really trying to further the uh, the the, the developments for, for modified cars in WA. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I said I elaborated on there was the facts and your, your Facebook videos highlight, you, let's talk about the facts. Mm. Can you elaborate a bit on the incidence of modified vehicles and their in, incidents in road traffic accidents? Yeah, sure. So yeah. Um, I, I can't take all the credit for, for those videos in actual fact um, the the majority of those sort of vehicle incidents uh, statistics uh, come from Claude Delis who's, who's done a lot of research uh, yes. and uh, and found yeah. a lot of papers from uh, one particular one that uh, was in a recent video was the the Curtin uh, Monash University did a, a collaboration yeah. study yeah. Uh, which was the the incidence rate of uh, uh, high-powered vehicles on novice drivers now um, whilst not directly relevant to, to what we're, we're talking about because their, their focus was on novice drivers. Um, certainly the uh, the groups that they were comparing to, well, that, that subset of information there was very relevant to us because they, they were comparing uh, engine capacity or engine cylinders in this case. Uh, so four-cylinder, six-cylinder and, and eight-cylinder engines uh, and, and measuring the incidence rate of uh, killed and seriously injured uh, accidents, yes. uh, as well as general uh, minor accidents and whatnot as well. But uh, certainly the focus was on uh, those those major uh, serious injuries. Um, and and what it showed us is that um, the those drivers with V8 engines, which traditionally are excuse me um th- those drivers of v8 engines which are traditionally in, in high-powered performance vehicles had a, a significantly lower incidence rate than any other uh vehicle category and that's that's per vehicle or per capita or per population size as well so yes yeah, so what you're saying there in layman's terms is that basically a modified vehicle or a vehicle with a v8 engine mm-hmm. is its representation in vehicle traffic accidents uh-huh. is is very low. Exactly right. Minimal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So tell us the, the the I won't say the battle. Battle's the wrong word. Yeah. But 
the dialogue. Let's use the word dialogue. The dialogue. Okay. Tell us a bit about the dialogue that currently you're undertaking. We've, I know you've gotten um, Aaron Stonehouse, member of Legislative Council, Council on, yeah. on board. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your dialogue with, with the government and where you're at right now. Sure. Well, so, I, I suppose um, so far every contact that um, I mean, obviously, when we have meetings with James and Claude and Chris, I always tell them. Well, we always come to a conclusion. Where, you know, which door do we go and open now? So I, I've I've personally made the contact with Aaron Stonehouse, um, and he was one of very few that actually reached out and said, look, um, I can see what your cause is. Um, I've got other issues, but I, I'll, I'll take it on board. And through his help uh, with the Legislative Council, um, James and myself and my wife Rita, we went into the first meeting. And, um, and it was that deciding meeting that um, we put forth all our statistical information that we had. Um, Aaron was... Well, he was he was very impressed. He mm. was very impressed that we had so much factual information, um, and from there, um, well, the Department of Transport we we we've, we've always always maintained our how do I say um, trying to keep wanting wanting to have a working relationship. Yeah, and, definitely. And yep. and we and we did in the beginning, but that sort of stopped pretty quickly after the first meeting because the man in charge was moved on in his mm. position. Um, I'd, I'd rather not mention any names. But um, uh, since then, we've had a little bit of uh, communication with them. Um, I know the Department of Transport are, what, James, they've been really looking into the um, what are you, concessions for classics, the C4C. Um, that's going through as far as we know. Um, but they're, they're, they've also been pretty tied up. I, I know they've had some uh, uh, legislation that they've been trying to pass for uh, Uber drivers or um, that's right. yeah, driving for yes. hire and reward, and they're, yep. they're yes. trying to really sort of revolutionise that. And that's uh, yeah. They, yeah. they've been pretty open that that's been their, their main focus of, yes. of the, the working groups at the moment. But yeah. uh, they've, they've certainly, in, in every in every face to face meeting that we've had with the Department of Transport, they've always been fairly open that open. they they want to work with us. It's just. Uh, the, the follow-throughs never quite to the, to the level that we're hoping for. That we're hoping for. Yeah. And, um, we certainly have everything in 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 point form or in or as in facts. Um, they've never come back to us and said our facts weren't right. Um, but yeah, I suppose the frustration at the moment is is um, the as we say the dialogue hmm. with them is is a little less from them um and we've not done anything to 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 to, to give them the impression that we were yeah not trying to work yeah, yeah. yeah. so the, let's just maybe let's uh, focus on what we perceive as the core of the problem or what i perceive as the core of the problem would that be the understanding of vsb 14 and how that i'm i'm glad that you, you mentioned that because I was, <laughs> I was going to actually say you know maybe if we you know rather than speaking in, in these terms we we actually say you know what what the issues are that we're facing yeah so, yes um uh, effectively the the crux of the issue for most uh people that have a modified car take it to the department of transport with the intent of modifying it uh is is this uh 
piece of legislation called Regulation 235. Mm. Um, now, yeah. what Regulation 235 is is written into the uh, Road Traffic Act uh, is as a, uh, I guess, a, a veto power by the Department of Transport where if they deem a vehicle is unsafe, uh, they, they can actually uh, refuse a vehicle application at, at any stage um, from, from getting licensed and, and, and placed on the roads. So yes. the, the intention of that regulation uh, was was always to be um, a vehicle has been effectively following all of the the regulations uh, vehicle standards board 14 or the national code of practice which yeah. is uh, colloquially referred to as vehicle standards bulletin 14 version 2 mm -hmm. um, and so someone's built their car to that but they've they've got very poor workmanship um, so that's what Regulation 235 is supposed to be, is it's supposed to, to cut out those vehicles where someone's sort of been a, a bit of a bush mechanic in their backyard and they've, you know, yes. used a stick welder on the chassis and, you know, technically it's kind of okay according to VSB 14, but they, they don't want that sort of vehicle on the road. There's, you know, no guarantee it's going to track straight down the bad road. Bad workmanship. Gonna, yeah, bad, poor workmanship. Poor exactly. workmanship. So we, we can we can understand why they have two exactly five. Right. No, yeah, yeah there's that, no, no, there's no doubt about yeah, that. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, it's it's a yeah. perfectly reasonable clause to have in in a piece of legislation. Um, mm. Where where the issue comes in is that it uh, it's it's become a uh, sort of a catch-all for the Department of Transport that effectively any any vehicle with an increased power output. Um, is is now being vetoed by by yes. regulation two three five, regardless of if it conforms to VSB fourteen and the workmanship yes. is being carried out correctly. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. Th this is where I have a this is where I don't understand and this is where I lose track of what, what the Department of Transport is about because I saw I read some of the correspondence that you that you submitted and some of the letters that came back from the Department of Transport to. Uh, respective owners yeah. applying for modifications. Yeah. The dialogue, I've got to be frank, it wasn't great. It wasn't encouraging, and it mm. wasn't. It was. It wasn't written in the spirit. The letter wasn't written in the spirit of what. It, it wasn't endorsing or, or asking for further clarification or other modifications to be performed. It was basically, as you said, a veto, mm -hmm. and it was a, a very short a no. Yeah. And I felt that's not in the spirit of the Department of Transport. I could be wrong, but it didn't feel right to me when I read those letters. That's that's exactly right, and we, we've uh, we've had a fair bit of dealing with um, with a long-standing uh, uh, vehicle, uh, not an inspector, but he's had a long history with the Department of Transport. And yes, he, he yes. was actually partly responsible for the implementation of VSB 14 yes. uh, nationally. And and he's come to us and he's basically said, well, you know, VSB 14 was originally intended as a document to assist a motoring enthusiast or, or a member of the public to modify their car in a safe way. And and the real reason was to, to assist, the Department of Transport to assist in, in how they create a vehicle, um, yeah. not to not to block it, not to say no. It was supposed to be a, an aid to to help people modify their cars in the way yeah. they wanted to. They're not encouraging, <laughs> as you say. They're not encouraging uh, uh, builders of of street machines, if you want to call that, um, in trying to help educate them. Yeah, it didn't seem like the the letters were written with. Um endorsement or, or encouraging of going no. down a different avenue or 
performing some other modification that would <clears throat> rectify what they yeah. what they had an issue with. Yeah. And that, that's that's where I I can understand a veto power, but yes. I can't understand when it was so black and white. It was yeah. just a no. It, it seems there's a there's a little bit of confusion even within the Department of Transport. To be to be perfectly I think, honest, I, I think so too. Yeah, I, um, I don't know yeah. how deep you got into the rabbit hole of the the link I sent you to the uh, pretty deep, James. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in in one of the sections uh, where the uh, the Legislative Council link that I sent you um, actually had a, a video from the Department of Transport, um, and, and watching that whole thing through. Um, you kind of get the sense that they're not really sure. They're asked a direct question yeah. uh, by by Aaron Stonehouse in that uh, in that video, yeah. uh, and it's in the transcript as well. Where you know he he asks, well, what what is the purpose of this? And you know, is there a right of review? And they they don't really give a proper answer. They're like, oh well, yeah, kind of the. The, the managing director of the Department of Transport technically has the, the right of review and he can Very reverse wishy, a decision, but uh, yeah. oh, we're not sure, we'll get back to you, yeah. which I don't think they ever actually did get back to them either. So That, that video, to be frank with you, I, I looked at a gentleman, he works for the Department of Transport, he was probably doing the best he could, but yeah. it wasn't. It wasn't very endorsing no. on his... his the, the, the other thing that I want to touch on is this number. I'll call it the number, 180 kilowatts, kilowatts per, ton. per ton. He he was, I mean, he wasn't factually correct with that either. No. And But anyway, that's, I mean, in the spare of the moment, I, I guess he was under pressure and probably answered and not, not honestly as possible, but it wasn't correct. Uh, well, yeah, correct. It, was, it was incorrect information. And the, the, the way that he conveyed that information was not mm. really of saying he was unsure. He was actually pretty adamant that, his department had reviewed several hundred vehicle specifications yes. and none of them came within 180 kilowatts per tonne, which is just factually incorrect. So, well, so he, he questioned um, Rick Mazza's uh, yeah. analogy of a GDR XU1 and yeah, the GT Falcon. and the GT Falcon as well. Yes. So just moving on from there as well, you guys actually did a bit of research. must have yes. taken a long time. Yes. You guys <laughs> found 53 vehicles, yes. 53 vehicles yep. out of the factory prior to 1990 available in Australia. Uh, yes, so uh, some of them were listed as imports. So, yes. um, the, but you could still buy them in Australia. You could still buy them in Australia, and you can still buy them in Australia yeah. to this day. So, yep. fifty-three vehicles that ex out of factory that exceeded one hundred and eighty kilowatts mm. per ton yeah. prior to prior to nineteen ninety. Yes. I did a bit of research as well. You know, the latest Toyota Camry is one hundred and forty kilowatts per ton. Okay. That's a that's the V six version, but yes. you can buy that, and that's one hundred and forty. Mm -hmm. So, one hundred and eighty doesn't really leave you with much leeway. No, no. no. So that number, I know we're not really sure where it's derived from, but is there some sort of inclination as to? Well, actually, James, uh, yeah. it's not 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 directly to it, but um, one of the main guys at the department referred me to. Um, to Vic Roads, where they have 130 kilowatt per ton, but when we looked into it, it was a restriction for um, probationary drivers to not have a vehicle any more than 130 kilowatt per ton. Mm. Um, it was a bit misleading because um, I was referring to the person at the Department of Transport about the 180 and kilowatt per ton for modified cars, but he gave me that information to look into, and so. Um, James, I don't think it's derived yeah. from... It's out of their own 
The, yeah. the only place that any sort of power to weight ratio is specified yeah. at all yeah. within the Department of Transport's uh, legislation or website uh, is on um, the LAMS, the, the Learner Motorcycle Scheme. Uh, where there's where there's a power to weight ratio, mm. I believe it's 150 kilowatts per ton. I could be wrong there. Um, is that with the motorcycles? With motorcycles, motorcycles, yeah, and that that is the only place that they specified any sort of power to weight ratio. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's for novice motorcycle riders. It's not for um, you know experienced drivers with with modified vehicles at all. It's, it's as far as we can tell, yeah, completely irrelevant. Yeah. So help me understand this part then. At the, currently, as it stands, we have 12 engineers. 12 signatories. Yeah, 12 signatories still. If they're able to sign off on a vehicle's modification, why do you think then when it gets to the Department of Transport that it gets blocked there? That, this is the bit that I'm not... Well, um, just... Briefly on that, there's, there's 12 listed signatories. Um, the Department of Transport does also make mention that they will accept other signatories uh, if they have provable qualifications. They'll also also accept engineers from interstate as well. Mm. Um, so there, there is a fairly big pool of people that they'll accept. But uh, back back to your question. Yeah, Stan, yeah, you wanna... yeah. Um, well, with all the engineers that have given their certification, people have spent a lot of money do, going going to an engineer to ask or, or to or to ask for advice on the modifications, um, I suppose, as James put it, the crux of the of, of the of the problem that we were wanting to find out now is, I did ask the question on one of the legislative council uh, videos um, about the engineer giving the tick, and who in the department actually looks over that, and I was told that it was their mechanics. So I, I asked, is, is, is the mechanic uh, have a higher level of understanding engineering than an engineer himself? The answer never got, I never got an answer. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, people are spending good money with an engineer to get it done right. And the departments, I personally think, I mean, I, I know all, all four of us have discussed so many different things, but I, I know that... Um, one of the main guys that uh, was signing off these rejection letters personally said to me that he was concerned that anything from 1960s to 1980s didn't have crumple zones, didn't have the, sorry, didn't have the, um, the crash testing and the crumple zones that the newer vehicles have. Mm -hmm. And that was the concern of having high-powered engines in these cars. And, and something that uh, a lot of people have identified here, uh, elaborating on this point now, is that um, well, the, the crumple zones, sure, the, the vehicle from factory doesn't have crumple zones built in, but uh, if, you're, if you're following the speed limit and you're, you're not driving dangerously, which there's separate legislation for that, which is the Hoon laws and, and the speeding laws, you know, there's, there's no additional risk for having a higher powered vehicle provided you're following the road rules, you know, and in the, in the same sense, a, a factory vehicle can still exceed the speed limit, it can still drive in a dangerous manner, even if it's from the 1960s, you know, you've got, mm. you've got GTHO Falcons, you've got Tiranas, they were, they were capable of 200 plus kilometres an hour. Yep. And they, they can still be hooned and 
well, if it's stock standard, it's got stock standard brakes, stock standard suspension from the 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, if you've got an engineered car, well, the engineer is performing these modifications. They're not just letting you go ham on the engine and not doing anything exactly. else. Mm. Um, you, you're upgrading your brakes and suspension. So a, a like-for-like car, a modified versus unmodified classic vehicle, uh, would actually perform better in a crash. Um, irrespective of what speed they're traveling because they can sure they can travel faster yeah. they can travel faster in the stock standard <clears throat> car than the speed limit but they've got better suspension and better brakes to back them up in this case so mm. um, it, it really it, it doesn't seem like a very uh, comprehensive argument I know perhaps they're, they're holding back and they've got other statistics that they they haven't shared with us but um, certainly you know we're, we're all ears we're, we've been asking for this information yeah. so so that leads me to my next question then. Do you think, I'm playing a bit of a devil's advocate here, but do you think that there is, um, there is genuine concern for the driver from the Department of Transport? Or is it, are they, so are they protecting the driver of the modified vehicle? Or is there this perceived notion that they have to protect the general public of those vehicles? The community. Safety. Yeah, there's... You'd say both because you know yeah. the, the they've always got. Um, I would say, yeah. If you if you look at the the road safety council's latest uh, towards zero, which is uh, towards zero two thousand and twenty, I believe you know mm. they, um, they, they've really got both of those sort of statistics or statistical areas really at the forefront. They're not really saying one over the other. I mean they they're talking about pedestrian safety. They're also talking about occupant safety and when they were talking about reducing speed limits on, on some of the key roads where there was a big outcry and uh, Premier Mark McGowan said that's never going to happen, um, which, side note, they've actually started to reduce some of the speed limits in, in mm. locations now. But uh, uh, they, they never really seem to focus on, on one over the other. So, um, look, I think genuinely somewhere there, they, they do have the safety of the occupant and the safety of the community at heart. Um, and, and they feel, you know, perhaps through through misinformation or, or a lack of understanding about what an actual motoring enthusiast is. Yeah. You know, a motoring enthusiast isn't someone that's going to do 180 in a 60 zone. Yes. Um, that's, that's a hoon. Yeah. And they're not the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A motoring enthusiast can be a hoon, but a motoring enthusiast is someone that cares about their car. They respect the vehicle. They respect law enforcement. Um, and, and they really, you know, they... They're there to do the right thing. They're just there because they love their car, hmm. uh, and they want to modify their car just the same as someone wants to collect stamps. There's, yep. yes. there's really, you know, it's it's a hobby, it's a passion. It's not they want to modify their car so they can go out and do burnouts through the whole, you know, city. It's it's nothing like that. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Yep. So I guess let's just talk about the process then. So like someone like myself, XW Falcon six cylinder, I want to. I want to go Cleveland. I can go Cleveland or Windsor because that that bottle actually had both. Yeah. <clears throat> so I still need to apply to to do perform those modifications with, with the standard engines. Saying the XWXY with the three hundred two um, Windsor or three five one, um, uh, the 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 power output of those engines. I mean, I'm not going to go into the details of it now. But um, as an example, um, I've had a couple of customers through my business that um, put in, he had a 302 in the vehicle before and he wanted to put a 351 and uh, it was rejected. Hmm. It was rejected because they said it was, it exceeded the 351, exceated the 180 kilowatt per tonne. Yeah. 
So th this is this is, I yeah. guess. Now this information yeah. to me yeah. is not readily available out there. No. A no. And this is. It's incumbent, I guess, on the department to make that readily available because I, yeah. I mean, I know that I need to do that. But yes. a lot of people would assume, even this Tirana here, I guess, it, is it's 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 fine to do that because it came out of the factory in that manner. But it's it's not. That's a small block three hundred and fifty in that Tirana. That Tirana behind us is the one that actually started this whole whole thing in, right, 20, okay. in twenty sixteen. It's my hatchback Tirana, yeah. and it's got a six cylinder in it. So. Um, yeah, you're right. That's where this whole thing came from. But but getting to back to what you're saying, um, yeah, I find a lot of not just my own customers, but other businesses in Perth uh, that have contacted us and said to us that you know their customers are having difficulty trying to find this information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, mean, I guess that's the key point. It's one of the key, not the key point, but one of the key points to take away from this is that at the very least, it's incumbent on the person modifying the vehicle to, to, to apply for the modifications at the very least, no matter yes. how menial they, we think that they are or they may be. Um, I mean, clearly not yes. roof racks or anything like that, but I mean... So the the the... Descriptions of what modifications uh, need to be approved by the Department of Transport, that section is fairly clear on their website. Mm. Um, if you're going to uh, vehicle, my vehicle, modify a vehicle, there's a there's a section there and there's a, there's a, a simple modification, there's three categories basically. So there's a there's yeah. a simple, there's a basic and there's a, 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 a extensive modification. They're not the exact terms. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, effectively, uh, you know, the, the one that doesn't need any approval is roof racks or uh, bull bars, tow bars, things like that. Um, then you can go um, for, you know, headlight changes and, and that's things right. like that. And, you know, that's, uh, right. yeah. uh, it, that, that's fairly clear on the Department of Transport website. Um, albeit you do have to, know that that's an issue in the first place before you actually start modifying the vehicle which a lot of people particularly young people that are new into modifying vehicles don't know is required and whether that be because of social media and they see people in the u.s doing all sorts of crazy things to mm. their car and no one no one cares yeah um or or whether you know um the the department of transport or the government could do a better job of letting people know this if they could you know have a some sort of scheme in place where people go to local part shops and the part shops have mm. a sign on the wall that says hey make <clears> sure that you you get this modification checked out with the department of transport first you know there, there's certainly steps they could take mm, to, yes. to make people more aware yeah um that that a vehicle that gets modified may need to go to the department of transport for mm. assessing and you know if it's if it's just a, a like for like engine swap even that that's still considered a, a simple modification so if you're putting yes. a six cylinder into a six cylinder um well it needs to get inspected by the department of transport but um, uh it, it doesn't need any engineering or anything like that if it's if it's an original engine that mm. came in the car so um there, there's certainly things that you can still do um, but as far as modifying a car for additional performance or yeah. uh, sort of as soon as you step outside of the original manufacturer guidelines or the original manufacturer equipment um, is when they're, they're really cracking down hard in Western Australia yeah. specifically. Yeah. So Stan, tell us, I mean, you're in the business, you do this every day. Yes. How many of these like applications that you know of are, are being rejected at, at this I mean, stage? In the last five years, I would say at least seven or eight that i know of mm. that have been rejected yep so they've opted obviously they couldn't build the car with the engine that they wanted so they've 
and they want to complete the car. And this is the painful part. They've spent 60 to 80 to 100 plus on the car. So they've gone and put a smaller engine or less powered engine in the car just to get it registered. Mm. Um, uh, they've, um, knowing what we're doing, you know, I, I couldn't really help them too much more than what they already found on the website with the Department of Transport. Yeah. So yeah. Um, a couple of them, and I, and I won't, definitely won't name them, but a couple of them have, have had good success, but they had to go to further, further steps, like right up to the ombudsman in the Department of Transport. Um, the, the ombudsman uh, is, is more there for the consumer, so someone that yes. is having mm. their vehicle modified and has been turned down by the Department of Transport, uh, which in their rejection letters that under the, the regulation 235, uh, that are being sent out the the department of transport makes the assertion that external review is not permitted mm. I, I read that and it just mm. does not read well at all mm. no, it's all mm. it's, 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 <laughs> the, it's like i said to you before I, when i read those letters i just felt really disheartened and, mm. and disappointed mm. because it's it's all in the message and i, I think the message wasn't not was not good and that that um, that's really the the main recommendation that was provided by the the legislative council with the uh, select committee was that the Department of Transport needs to have a clear and transparent review process, which should be external because they're a government body. Mm. So the the ombudsman for uh, government bodies they also cover uh, matters with the WA Police and uh, and health and things like mm. that. So yeah. Um, that that is something that we're hoping will be responded to very shortly. shortly. I know the the government's in winter recess at the moment, so mid August yeah. is when uh, we should be seeing a response from them. Mm. Um, but the the crux of it is that if you're dealing with a government body, you do have a right of review to the ombudsman. Mm. Yep. yep, that's right. No. Regardless of what the Department of Transport says. Yes. Um, you have a right of review. Mm. You're talking to a government body, they make a decision you're not happy with, then there is a right of review, as much as they want to say there's not. Mm. Yep, yep. With them restricting these modifications, I mean, we all know technology is moving forward and there's so much aftermarket gear that can be, that can that can go onto the, on these modified vehicles. But um, what I personally get very very frustrated with the department is is um and this is not this is just speaking on my behalf is is um just watching people that want, are willing to spend a lot of money on an old car to make it safer than than what it ever was um but uh the department is not looking at any future technologies to to incorporate into these cars i'm going to go a step further and ask yeah. you stan yeah. Do you think they have the best interest of the industry at heart here? And I'm talking about it is a it, it is a measurable industry in Western Australia, the automotive aftermarket yep. modification you've, industry. You've hit that on the head, Nick, because part of Claude Delise's um, uh, research into that, which we presented to the, to the Legislative Council, was 11, 11 billion, was it, James? $11 billion, I know it was 11, uh, $11 billion of, of revenue. That was, um, uh, and I don't know whether that was in New South Wales or just South Australia, but South Australia is the working model of exactly what is bringing old cars out of the out of the sheds, 
bringing um, businesses and employment. And we've presented all this, not just our argument about the modification rules and how the revenue through government is going to impact on everything. Mm. Um, so the Aaron Stonehouse, for example, was 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 very shocked when he saw all those figures, and he said, "Look, and and to be honest with you, that's one of the reasons why he said, 'Look, I'm 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 happy to to go in and bat for you.' Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Nick, the, the with the department declining these things, they're killing businesses as well. It is, and I, I can't. I just that, that's the bit that I can't get my head around as well is the fact that it is a, it's a tangible industry in Western Australia. Yes, yes. It's a big industry, and yep. I think people brush past it. They don't really focus on it. I think in in Western Australia we have our mindset on footy and and uh, mining and retail. Really, they're the, they're the three things I think we focus on in this state, and I don't think we really take much notice of the the aftermarket automotive performance industry and how important it is to Western Australia. In Claude, fact, Claude touched really well on this in, in his uh, introduction video. Yes. Um, where he, he is involved quite heavily in, in the uh, vehicle industry, um, sort of more commercial level than stands obviously a vehicle restorer. Yes. Um, Claude does vehicle industry stuff but uh sort of on a, a sort of a fringe i guess of, of vehicle modifications um his analogy where they could hire more apprentices the the workshops and the you know the your local parts stores are going to see more business and yes um there's you know there's there's all these technical skills that we're losing here in wa and, and across australia um with you know the the closure of the vehicle manufacturing and um certainly you know keeping these industries alive and these skills is something that's really valuable and it's a really proud part of australian history is holden and ford and um you know other manufacturers as well but particularly holden and ford in australia um and it's something that we don't want to see die um mm. absolutely uh and you know, helping helping the industry along, um, it, it's not something that's going to come at a cost really to the to to the government. Yeah, um, there's yeah. you know, they're they're doing it from a, a public safety point of view, but there's also there's there's economic impacts which has somewhat of a public safety and it's indirect obviously but you know there's there's mental health and there's um you know strong strongly performing economy means you know people are more securely employed and there's you know less unemployment things like that there's there's all of those things to consider which are all of these really very tangible benefits to what is a huge industry and i know um there's 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 a pretty big um sort of annoyance amongst motoring enthusiasts now that you know there's all these part shops they're expensive the labor's expensive parts are hard to get you got to always get everything from the eastern states mm. and this was really yeah claude's really good point is that well if we were more friendly to modifications well there's going to be more stuff stocked here which means there's going to be less overhead costs because we're bringing stuff in in bulk rather than individually and that that overhead is going to be reduced and the the, the cost of everything's going to come down the amount of work's going to go up and it's just really a snowball that's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger yeah where yeah that that industry is just going to explode there's it's, it's happened very very obviously in south australia and obviously south australia is a very it's proud state with the, with the motoring history yeah, with elizabeth plant. model mm. but um 
it, it's it's present everywhere in Australia. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I mean, there's, there was plants here in, a long time ago in Western Australia for building vehicles, um, and and that history is still here. Yeah, and we've still got those vehicles that were built in WA, mm. and we still want to you know be proud of those vehicles and show them off and modify them if we want to. Yeah, there's it it's it, it's beyond belief, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, James, you touched on a really interesting point there. I just want to go back to it because mm. I think you, you might have brushed over it a little bit. Mental health. I don't think mm. we measure, I don't think we honestly measure the, the impact even on mental health. I know it sounds, it's going to sound strange. And if you're not into cars, you, you won't know and you won't, you won't understand what we're saying. But modifying your vehicle does release... Well, uh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. What we I mean, do, isn't it? It's the, the, hard to... there's, a, there's a calmness about it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll all remember, and it, it's probably still going. I don't watch free-to-air TV if I'm if I'm perfectly honest. But the the act belong commit message has mm. been something that was really heavily emphasised by by local and national governments, um, and and we're we're talking about learning hobbies, learning skills, belonging in a community. Um, being being present with people, so you you know you've you've learned a skill, you've modified a car, you take it to a car show, you're in amongst people that have a like-mindedness, similar, passion, and similar interests, similar interests, and, uh, and 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 that car show, they're raising money for a charity. I know, yes. Nick, you do a lot of mm. stuff yeah. with the charity as well, which is it, it, it's it is a little bit intangible talking about mental health which is why i brushed over the point because i was talking about tangible benefits but uh, but it, it is a serious consideration yeah. is is mental health because it it just it's so important there's we're talking about you know massive costs so there was a big debate at this last election and this was you know one of the main uh, main arguments of the national labor government was that the the mental health spend is not good enough by the current government, and mm. and they're talking about expanding the uh, the free uh, psycho uh, psychologist sessions and things like that, mm. and it's because you know people people are increasingly distant with the technology and things like that, and yeah. um, you know having a, having a physical hobby is something that can really bring people back together and mm. bring them back to basics. And so that's a good point, James. Yeah, physical hobby. Yeah, it's a, it's a physical hobby rather than... Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. And that's... Uh, it's, you, you touched on it there and I thought, mm. oh, I need to get back to that. Mm. But yeah, mm. it's such a... I think it is it, it is tangible. Mm. I really yeah. do. And um, yeah. I think, you know... I, I just want to sum up, say, like, I think the work that you guys are doing is amazing. Yeah. And yeah. I, I watch... For those that are on Facebook, head to the Australian Street Machine Federation. Yes. Yeah. So fa facebook.com forward slash ASMFWA. WA, yeah. and they can find the information there. Before I finish, I know it's not your core um, focus at the moment, but can you just give us a rundown on C4C, where we're at with that? Concessions for cars? Well, that... yeah, con concessions for classics. I mean, it, it's not the focus of our group. We've we've helped Eddie along, who was the one that was generating the signatures on the petition. Yeah. Eddie Arachi. Eddie, Eddie, Arachi. Eddie Arachi. Yeah, we've had him on as well. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, and, you know, we, we gave him some space at a couple of events mm. here and there. But, yeah, uh, we supported him right from the beginning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, it's not been the focus. We did have a meeting with the Department of Transport, yeah. uh, somewhat regarding this, and more trying to focus on the modifications. But uh, yeah. um, 
the the last we've heard they're still on track um for a release by uh, january 2021 at the latest mm. that's that was their latest word that we heard yeah. okay well, that's, that's, that's it was going to be october november but then mm. yeah yeah they were, they were hoping for october november, november. but january yeah. by the latest and yeah, it yeah. sounds like they're still on track yeah okay yeah. all right and has that altered much from what they initially put out there and we're oh. not we're not sure at this yeah, stage okay. um, no they there was murmurs that they'd gone back to the drawing board a little bit with some of the submissions that uh, we'd, we'd uh, handed in along mm. with other members of the community. I know mm. yourself as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, but uh, we, we don't have any visibility on that uh, yeah. at this time. So in short, for our listeners that are listening and, and, view and watching us as well, so c for c was concessions for classics. Yes. It offered a 75% discount on registration. You needed to be a member of a recognised car club car in club. Western Australia. Yes. And you could take your vehicles on club runs. And um, I think that was it, really, wasn't Pretty it? Much. Yeah, that yeah. was in a nutshell. I yeah. think that was... That was it. And it was there a was a few things more that they were considering. But oh, and uh, annual inspection as well. Uh, annual inspection was something they were considering, and they were also thinking about impromptu runs and whether or not they wanted to include yeah. that. But, that uh, never, did that go through? No. Uh, I mean, everyone gave their feedback on it. Yeah. Haven't given any clarity publicly yet. Yeah. So that's gone to public consultation. That's closed. That closed back in, in March. Ooh, in March. March. Yeah, yeah. 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 Right on the. And then we unfortunately went into lockdown mm-hmm. but anyway nick i'd like to just add something quickly um uh, i approached street machine magazine about a month and a half ago and uh thanks to so i'd like to thank simon telford and uh boris viskovich um they've um reached out back to me and and come back to us and uh they're putting an editorial out for us in regards to exactly the questions you were asking us t- mm. tonight um, so that'll be coming out, I think, in, don't quote me, but it should be in next, the next uh, issue of Street Machine magazine. Yeah. That's really good to hear. I know yeah. Boris does a lot of good work for us West Australians over here, and he's pretty prominent in the magazine. He's he been is. there a long time now, so... He is. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean... And Telfo as well. And guy. Simon Telford. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough to work with Boris on the W Hot Rod Committee show. So, yeah, I, I, another thank you to Boris and Simon for doing that for us and i'm sure simon telford said to me that what we're doing um street machine magazine is backing us and and will continue to back us yeah yeah, yeah. no that's great news yeah. to hear guys look i mean we've we're 50 minutes into this i, I just <laughs> thought but you know once we get once i get started on this i yeah. do get it i i I'll start running away with it as that's, well. But. That's what happens when everyone's passionate. It's easy yeah. to talk for hours on Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> I mean, look, do you guys have anything else to add that I might have, might have missed or that... Yeah. At this point in time, James? Uh, not not just yet. We're Like I said earlier, we're, we're hoping for when the the local... Sorry, the state government resumes sitting um, that we'll have a little bit more to share. Yes. Um, but uh, if anyone is listening that has sent us uh, emails or, or Facebook messages, uh, we, we do thank you for that and we've messaged most of you individually mm. as well. Yep. But uh, yep. um, it, it really is... It's, it's eye-opening even for us. We knew, we knew this issue was widespread, but just seeing the, the range of vehicles and from pretty well-stocked vehicles to... to yeah heavily modified vehicles but it's a it's a it's an incredibly widespread issue and that would be you know why we're getting the reactions we are and the, the yeah. passion we are from these people in the community yeah. um, that, that it is a serious issue 
Look, with you four guys on on board, I, I you know it's it's really is a, a brains trust. I, I must say that because I know <laughs> not just the, just not just the two of you, but Chris and Claude Chris as well. Chris and Claude as well. You know so they are. I mean, yeah. they're they're well credentialed. Those guys, and, yes. and so do the two of you. Yes. So I mean, if a federation, you know, you've, it's a very strong federation, and I yeah. think. You know the the reason that we're probably not getting the dialogue back from the department is that they they are taking your questions and concerns quite yeah. seriously. Yeah. So and that's yeah. good. I mean that's all we want them to do, really, don't we? We're not. Yeah. This certainly hasn't been a. a, a it might have come across as a, a dot bashing, but it's certainly not. It's <laughs> no, not that's no, not our intention. No, not, not at all. Yeah, not, not yeah. at all. Um, but we, we we still want to maintain. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Our, our focus has always been on working with the Department of with Transport, Department. not ever against them. Mm, yeah. um, it, we're never going to achieve anything if we want to work against <clears throat> that's them. That's right, yeah. Um, mm. it, 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 they're, they're an organisation that's always going to be there and they perform a very important role in the community. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we just, you know, we we need our voice heard, mm. um, and and you know we're not we're not coming we're not trying to come across as as bashing the dot like you yeah. said. Um, we we really do support them, and we want to work with them, and we want to to have you know evidence based mm. yep. uh, reasoning for, yep. for everything. Yep. Yep. The the, uh, the opposition government um, has also approached me recently, and um, the shadow minister we will be meeting soon mm. um, wants to hear. What, what we have to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, oh, I mean, I'm just happy that um, after five years, James, of keeping it under our hat, um, doors are opening. Um, but I can guarantee one thing I know with Chris, as you, Chris, Claude, James, myself, and as long as my wife stays with me, she'll continue to do the admin. <laughs> <laughs> she's a good Calabrese. She's a good Calabrese so she's, woman. She's not going anywhere. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think I mentioned to you off, off, off this podcast. I grew up with a lot of um, the ethnic community. <laughs> so, as an Indian coming from Singapore, you know, growing up here, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm part wog. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, thanks, Nick, for. Um, no, it's been a pleasure, and yeah. I really enjoyed this tonight. I must, yeah. I must, I know it was a little bit. My apologies, it was no, a little no, bit no. late last yeah. minute and a bit, bit rushed. But <clears throat> thanks for having us here to start with, and and thanks for making the time as well because yeah. I, I really, I've really enjoyed this, and I've, I got, I got a lot out of this today. I know I did. I have been researching it over some time now, but I got even today, and I watched, the, I watched the fair bit of video footage, and That's I thought, <laughs> I thought to myself, this, this is a cause that needs to be spoken about. So yeah. I really appreciate what you you're doing and what you guys have been up to well thanks thanks a lot nick we, we realize that it is a it's a pretty difficult uh, topic to to cover everything across and uh, yeah. actually spending the time on it is is a credit to you um yes. because it takes a lot of effort to go through the yeah. information no 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 it was a, it was a pleasure all right look we'll take a short break here and we'll be back with more right after this the auto one customer loyalty program the auto one club has been designed to provide privileges to loyal customers. Head on over to www.auto1.com.au and click on the club membership tab or alternatively head into your local Auto One store and ask about the benefits that come with being a loyal Auto One club member. While you're in the store, be sure to check out Auto One's extensive range of impact automotive garage tools, floor mats and coolant. The Impact Automotive range offers quality products at affordable prices. From a 3 ton heavy duty trolley jack 
to an adjustable mechanic seat. The Impact Automotive range has a garage tool that'll suit your needs. The range has also well over 20 different types of floor and boot mats to suit your ride. They come in rubber or fabric with a PVC backing to stop slipping. Also in the range is an extensive choice of coolant. Whether it be pre-mixed or concentrate, the long life range of red and green Impact Automotive coolant is bound to have a product that suits your needs. To view the full range of Impact Automotive products, head on over to www.auto1.com.au or visit one of their stores. Auto One is committed to bringing you the brands you know and trust at great prices. Coupled with their team's knowledge and experience, Auto One, it's the one. Okay, welcome back to episode 91 of the Talk and Power podcast. And it was great to catch up with Stan and James there from the Australian Street Machine Federation. Uh, it was good to have their views. And uh, it was nice to catch up with um, those guys. At, and it was very nice of Stan to have us at his house. Um, we really appreciated that. Now, without further ado, we've got some more guests. So it's a big episode, this one. We've got, we've got uh, Ross Tapper. Once again, from Targa West and David Smith. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks for coming on at, um, at late notice, really. How's things? Yeah, it's good, mate. Thanks for inviting us once again. It's always good to have a chat about motorsport. No, nah, no drama. You, you had to bring up the fact that I was late to the conference. Well, I, I didn't bring it up. I said that <laughs> well, on us at late <laughs> notice. Like, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just I, must I have felt victimised again. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't yeah. throw you under the bus at all, David. <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> we're on the eve. We're just about on the eve of um, uh, Target Southwest. So any late entries we need to know about or any exciting news for, for the Southwest? Targa Southwest, that is? We're, we're very happy with our entries. We, we did have 50 entries and um, one of the electric cars uh, has pulled out and um, as is one of the competitors so that we couldn't get parts. He got parts for his car sent over and they were the wrong parts. So, um, but anyway, we got 48 <laughs> starters and, and last year we had 34. So very happy with um, being able to get for that and, and you know, considering what's going on in the world. Mm. Yeah, that, that's uh, over a 50% increase. Yeah. Incredible. So you, when you get 34 entries, you start thinking, oh, I don't really want to go small. And then COVID comes along and you go, what's going to happen? But um, it's turned out well for us. And and from officials and the, and the competitors, they're all just busting, get down there and let's get out and go and do what we love. Mm. No, certainly. Can, certainly. I, can I ask what the part was that didn't show up? It wasn't a battery, was it? <laughs> Dave might know. No, no, no. It wasn't the electric car. It wasn't the electric car that no. needed a part. Oh, it was actually okay. an, an old Corvette, so it could be anything, mate. No, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, no, it was Nathan Element, so he's he's now going to be um, 100% ready for Targa West. Uh, that's the upside for him. That um, he can now. Uh, get the car ready and there'll be nothing go wrong um, in Pemberton. So he'll be ready for Targa West in October. Yeah, did I see right as well on the entry list? Did I see Peter Rulo on the entry list? He hasn't been in Southwest for some time. Is that is that right? Did I see right? Was that correct? Yeah, yeah. He, he did the very first one and we haven't seen him down in um, Targa Southwest since. So, um, And he's got his little Lotus and... Bumped into him over the weekend down there doing his recce and he's excited to get out there and have some fun. 
Oh, no, that's good. That's, that's great. That's, that's that great. is excellent. excellent. News, yeah. Yep. And forget me, oh, forgive me, I don't remember the gentleman's name with the, the, the Porsche nine oh geez it was the night he was at he was at the the hill climb in albany as well yeah mark kate sorry it's him yeah there's a 991 yeah 991 yeah. sorry mark kate's is, we've actually got nine, two of them um mark kate's has got one and, and jeff and kath foster have actually just upgraded theirs too so so they'll actually be two brand new porsches down there both the same bloody color too so it's going to be hard to tell them apart <laughs> So, I mean, that said, there's some, some reasonable, you know, some talent and some really reasonable cars uh, heading down there for this, this event. So that's, it's, it's interesting to see that you've seen the growth in numbers as well and, and some pretty heavy hitters making their way down there. Oh, yeah. Like the, the top, just looking at the, uh, the top six cars or, or seven cars, including Jeffrey Foster, as Dave was just mentioning. Then you've got Dave Heaton, Dennis Heller. Mark Cates, John O'Dowd and the Skoda, Will White, Peter Rollo and Mark Greenham. So um, flip a coin to see who's going to come out of, out on top out of that lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Now Mark's it's, going it's for a... Sorry, it was, Mark's going for a hat-trick, is that right, Greenham? Yeah, Mark Greenham is, yeah. 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 No, I mean, I guess it's, it's probably quite hard. interesting. It'll be quite interesting because at the top of the field, you've got the two Porsches, then you've got um, Pete Rullo's... Um, Exige, which has just been upgraded to the latest you know, Targa spec Exige, um, and Houston back um, bought a, a very well sorted Exige as well. So um, at the at the point end of the field, there's some certainly some spectacular cars. Yeah. Okay. When you say Targa spec, then in when you you throw what what did he exactly what did he do to to bring it to what you call a Targa spec, as opposed to when he had it at Targa West in last year? Lotus, Lotus have actually released, or Lotus Australia, and I can't remember the company that's the, the manufacturer, but they've actually released a, a limited edition Targa model. Um, so it's got a, a bigger, from what I understand, it's got a bigger supercharger, um, a little bit more grunt, significantly more grunt, um, but also a sequential flappy paddle gearbox. Wow! And so Pete actually Ooh. showed me some some in car footage from a practice session that the car had done out at Sydney Motorsport Park after they had tuned it, and uh, the thing is a rocket ship, absolute rocket ship. So it'll be very very interesting to see how a car that you know minimum weight is supposed to be thirteen ten kilos compared to I think the Porsche was seventeen fifty kilos. Um, so mm. it'll be interesting to see how the two actually compare. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, are they a V six the Lotus? Are they a Toyota yeah, they V6? Are. Oh, so yeah. you're going to claim it as a Camry, are you? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a Camry engine. <laughs> they are. They get really upset when you say that. On an apple, apple, If the shoe fits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate. Uh, I'd, I'd welcome your camera down there actually do, do, do you think it'd actually do the Pemberton Northcliffe stage Simon without no, sort of assistance no. Or, no. we don't, <laughs> think, it'll, we don't sure. think it'd get something would fall off maybe a window <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but there's time you know we've got room for improvement we have time on our side <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey guys, what, while we're here, why don't you tell us some? You got some news on some plans that you're 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 doing with a, a sister state of ours in South Australia. Can you elaborate a little bit further on that? Yeah, we can, mate. It's just at five thirty this afternoon, in conjunction with South Australia, the Adelaide Rally. They have a four-day um, was the Classic Adelaide Rally, and they're now just calling the Adelaide Rally. And a rally sprint over there. They're running those two events, and we, of course, run Southwest and Targa West. So, just a bit of um, promotion, cross bordering, to encourage competitors to come over here. And um, you know, our competitors, are quite a few of them, I think 10 have entered Adelaide Rally this year. So, um, for us, it can only be win win if we can mm. get a few of them to come over here, and maybe a few of ours will go over to the Adelaide Rally. So, and the point structure is, is encouraged to, um, you'll pick up bonus points if you cross the border. Yeah, okay. um, and of course, the bigger events get more points than the smaller events. So, um, and we fully understand that where COVID is, it, it's a good idea that Tim Possingham from South Australia has come up with. Um, so with COVID, it, it may come undone, but let's hope that between now and October for our event and November for their event, that. Um, the people can move. If not, we've got the name out there, we've got the, the logo and and uh, we'll be ready to go as soon as COVID allows us to cross the border and start competing. That, that sounds awesome. That really sounds yeah, awesome. Yeah, really good. We, we used to do something similar in drag racing with the um, the tin tops. Mm. We used to have around in uh, South Australia and around in WA. And uh, yeah. it brings the whole community together. It's great. Mm. Yeah, like immediately it went up on South Australian's Facebook. Um, there was a reply, looks like we're going to WA next year. So hey, that doesn't mean until they get here and they're on the start line, it doesn't mean they're being coming here. But at least it's a, a positive reaction. Mm. And um, and we can build on that. And, and no, a lot of the guys have been over there, done the Eastern States events, but very few have come here so hopefully they can come over and see something totally different because our Targa West is completely different to um, any of the events over East. Yeah. They'll be hooked mate, they'll yeah. be hooked. <laughs> I'll make it an annual pilgrimage like yeah. a lot of, lot of yeah. races do with you know events that we, it's like the Western Nationals isn't it Simon, you know mm. a lot of people make that an annual pilgrimage to Western Australia for drag racing, like completely different obviously but yeah still people make an event out oh, of yeah. it or a trip, it's their family trip as well roughly what time of the year do, are, are you looking at Ross? Oh well it'll be the four events so um, we normally run Target Southwest in May and Target West in August and they're um, Rally sprint is in September and Adelaide rallies in November. And that's mm. a normal year. That's excellent. Mm. So we may stick to our dates. We're getting a lot of good feedback from people about running Target West in October, um, in particular running our Target Bunbury sprint in in um, in February. Sorry, in December, December. the fifth. Yeah. Um, which will be a, a day night event, and I think that'll attract a lot of people. So. Um, you know, Motorsport Australia is asking us for dates for our rallies now and we don't know what to do because we haven't run any events to, this year to see what's <laughs> going to work for next year. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Now, Targa, while we're here, Targa West, how is that? We're still locked in. Oh, man, all things going. Whenever I say these, ask these sort of questions, I mean, we're assuming that you know, the, the health situation doesn't alter in Western Australia, but we're still right for the um, the 22nd, 23rd and 24th of October. Is that correct? 
Yeah, and the 25th. And yep, the 25th. Certainly. Yep. Um, we haven't had any local government um, say that no, because of COVID, and admittedly, they haven't got all the approvals in writing, but we are talking to them and it's all, all looking very good. Um, the big news on that one, of course, is that um, Langley Park, not only do we have the Targa City Sprint, which is for those who don't want to do the whole Targa West, entries open for that today, and we've got 11 in the first hour. So that's a good sign there. Um, and then we target West, of course, comes in the afternoon. But we're also running the Shannon's Classic on, what is it, Shannon's Classic on the Swan this year, isn't it, Dave? Yep. 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 Which are no, the classic cars along the edge of the Swan River. Mm -hmm. Celebration on motorsport will run again on Langley Park. But the other big news is um, because of the clash of calendars and, and we moved into the All Fords Day um, calendar, um, they'd already booked Langley Park and they've um, generously allowed us to use Langley Park as well as themselves. So there could be 500 plus Fords on top of everything that we're doing as well. So it's well, going to be a you. big day of motorsport and, and cars in general. Nick, you need to make sure we get our entries in for that one, mate. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'll have, All four uh, day. You got it locked in or what? Yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. No, we'll, we'll have to do something there for sure. For sure. We have get a trailer load of cars down there, I think. We'll try and get the BA down there as well, Simon. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> no, so a notice badge on it, Simon. It'll make it more acceptable. <laughs> but... Yeah, a bit of motorsport heritage. You'll be able to get onto the classics on the or celebration of motorsport if you put a Lotus badge on the camera. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the BA, but Camry, Camry. Now that sounds very exciting, guys. It's that's um, it is great news, and we're really happy to hear that things things are progressing well. Uh, we also got the news uh, this or late earlier in the week or late last week that the Motorplex is looking like uh, not looking like we'll be reopening in October with private uh, uh, test days to commence this month in August. So that's great news as well. So I guess at some point you'll be contacted by the track and we'll see um, the, the Targa Rally Sprints commence again? Yeah, they called me last week to say that it was all, all happening. Yep. Um, it's only because I've got um, Southwest, we haven't had you know, a bit of time to go down there, so we've got to work out our Rally Sprint calendar that hopefully we can announce within the uh, fortnight after this weekend. Um, and of course the WA Car Club runs the autocrosses down there, which is very cheap, good fun motorsport, um, running around their speedway tracks. So Mm. We'll get down there and we'll get the dates locked away for the rally sprints and the autocrosses and, and have that news ready for you in the coming weeks. Oh, you know, Ross, I had, I had no idea that we ran autocross here in Western Australia because we, we do a lot of work for teams in South Australia. I didn't realise we ran it here. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, autocross is what we run around the speedway track. We just put some tyre bundles and weave the cars in and out and it's really good fun. Um, but autocrosses in um, other areas down at Bunbury, they have a, a brilliant track where they're getting um, huge numbers. It's generally sold out for the South West Touring Car Club. And up at Beverly, that's a Bormser, they call themselves, Beverly Off-Road hmm. um, Motorsport Association. And um, they get good numbers up there as well. So it's cheap, good fun motorsport and a great start for anyone who's, you, know, you can do it from 14 years of age. So. Go and buy a cheap car for your kids, um, take them to autocrosses and you know, the winter go to Beverly or Bunbury, 
summer, come down to the um, uh, motorplex and run down there. Where, where can I find the rules on that? Um, probably on the Motorsport Australia <laughs> uh, <laughs> website. There's, there's, yeah, there's some information on autocross.com.au. Okay. Um, and then Borms have got their own website and Southwest Touring Car Club have got their own as well. But um, it's, it's gravel. We run them as gravel events. So I'm not sure what they're like in South Australia, but we run them as gravel events over here. Um, and it's sort of a, a step up from Carna Cross. So Carna Cross is pretty much like a, a motor Carna on gravel, sort of stop in a garage, start in a garage. Um, autocross is the next step up so it's a bit faster uh, a bit longer stages uh, and, and then you sort of go to the, the rally sprints which we run obviously on tarmac for, for Targa but we also um, run them elsewhere on gravel um, as part of Rally WA so, so it's sort of a progression it's a nice progression if you're looking at tarmac or gravel yep Simon, if I may interrupt here, but if you if you speak with Adam, a fellow podcaster, Adam Ward, he's all oh, over yeah? Cross and, and Motocana. He participates at, at Borsma as well quite regularly. It is uh, is that the the car that they've got? The Ford Festiva, yeah, the Festi, Festi AF, yeah, yeah yep. that's the one, yeah, yeah. the Festi AF, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, right. All right, the plot's thickens. with Adam, and uh, <laughs> he's all over it. He actually is on <laughs> what I understand at Borsma, so I'm sure he'll be able to point you in the right direction there. Yeah, Borsma sell out. They sell out regularly with 40 cars at each of their events because they can only really sort of fit between 40 and 45 up there in the time they've got available. Um, Southwest Touring Car Club have got normally 70 at each of their rounds. Um, and then at the Motorplex, we have sort of upwards of 50. Again, we're sort of limited to 50, 55, purely because of the time that's available to us on a, on a Wednesday night. Mm. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, look, just let's just wrap up here. We'll get back to uh, Targa Southwest, Saturday, 8th of August, down in Pemberton. If I'm heading down there, where do I, where, where, where do we head to first? Or we go to the website, check out the details there. Would that be the best way to do it? Yeah, targetsouthwest.com.au. Dave's done a, a very good uh, spectator guides in there. Mm. Um, we don't have any available down there. We do print it in the local newspaper, so you can pick up the Pemberton or the Northcliffe papers um, or just grab it off the, the website. Um, starts at 8.30 on Saturday morning, and we're running through into the dark at night. So the last stage around the Pemberton town stage um, will be as the sun's going down, so that'll be something different and something new for the event. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a full day of competition, and at the moment the weather's looking brilliant. So yeah. hopefully we're going to get a, a nice chilly morning to get started, and then um, some sunshine during the day. So it's going to going to be a great day of motorsport. Mm. No, well, I'm sure everyone's looking yeah. forward to it. Um, and also, I mean, I urge all of our listeners that are heading down there, try and support the local towns as well by dinner or lunch or whatever it may be. Pemberton, Manjimup, all those, and Northcliffe as well, all those surrounding yep. towns, they can certainly, I mean, you've really got to kind of go through Manji to get to Pemby. So, um, yeah, try and try and support those local towns down there. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's awesome. And uh, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to it. Maybe we should have a vote for best bakery after the event. I can um, bring you up and let you know 
you know, you can stop at Dardanup, you can stop at Bridgetown, stop, maybe you'll be able to, well, let's just yeah. say minimum weights in the cars won't be an issue for the Yeah, area. roll out of the car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think there's a nice one in bailing up from memory. There's a really good yeah, one. Bailing up, yeah, bailing up, bailing up, bailing up. Yeah, yeah, isn't there isn't there one down <laughs> there that claims to have the best meat pies in Australia? Um, mate, there isn't a bakery in Australia that doesn't have the best yeah. winning meat pies. <laughs> <laughs> but all those all those regional towns, I mean, they've all had a have taken a bit of a knock too. A lot of uh, agricultural field days have been cancelled, as we know. So, you know, what you guys are doing down there is really awesome for those local towns because bailing up field day didn't go ahead this year, and that's a huge field day for that that whole area down there and without that i mean that that really knocked him about a bit so it's great that you guys are doing that <laughs> and um just as todd's cat runs in front of the screen there. <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say point. something else but anyway <laughs> i think i think it's great that, that you guys are i mean you're kind of almost helping kickstart wa's tourism again mm. with this event this is um pretty you know, yeah, yeah. like the timing of it. Out, uh, some of our competitors and officials have to um, go to manage them up, which we haven't done before. So, um, one of the guys and, today, one of the guys today, Ross, picking up his stickers because there's 12 of them in the you know, friends, family, crew, etc. They've had this book in Bridgetown, so they can't wow. get anywhere close. Wow, oh, wow. That's, that's a considerable yeah. distance away, Bridgetown. Yeah. From from uh, from Pemby, that is a yeah, it's a that's a reasonable distance mm. away. So I tell you what, I don't reckon any of the local businesses are, are going to be uh, unhappy that, that the events on. That's for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, and as Simon great. said, yeah, it is. And, mm. and as Simon said, it's like a, you're kind of the first big big event. I mean, apart from the footy, um, this is kind of the first big sporting event that the state has had since the COVID lockdown. So definitely the first place. one out of town. Mm. You know, what yeah. I mean, the first yeah. one to get people in their cars and out of town it's uh i think yep. it's great it's fantastic you can yep. always rely on motorsport boys yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, that's true and um we can always rely on you guys as well uh ross and david we really appreciate what you're doing and uh we yeah we urge all of our listeners to try and support the event as best as they can head to the website get the details there but as ross just said before 8 30 a.m start in pemberton um, it's a you know you, you probably need to head down from Friday night, but if you want to be there for the start, but it's a it's a lovely drive down that neck of the woods in any event, and it's a beautiful day, so no excuses really, no excuses at all. All right, guys, well look, we'll let you get back to yeah. what you need to what you need to do, and um, yeah, if there's anything we can help you with, let us know, and uh, we uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. No worries. Thanks, okay, thanks. Thanks, Todd. Thanks, Todd. All right. See you guys. Thank Take you. care. All right. Well, look, uh, we'll bring this one to a close. So, Auto One, like, share, comment on this Facebook um, uh, post for episode 91. You go on the run in to win a $50 gift card. You too can be like John Sarbo and spend that $50 on his new secret weapon, which we're not allowed to say anything about. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to John and thanks to the team at Auto One. I was out, out there on the on Friday night as well, catching up with the guys at the Belcatta store. I had to get a few few supplies and um, actually took the XW for a spin there as well. And um, yeah, had it parked out the front. So caught up with the guys there at Auto One in Belcatta. They always like it when I pull up, especially on Nick, a... Nick, uh, um, did you clean the puddle of oil? 
up after you left? <laughs> you know, no, no, I didn't. But the, I'll answer that. No, I didn't. But have you noticed the front of Bel, Auto One Belcata? There are oil patches like they're <laughs> massive. They're like that. In, when I, yeah. I took some snaps there, and uh, you look at all the other bays, and they're all pretty clear. But the ones in front of Auto One in Belcata are uh, quite incredibly big. So, have you have you ever you know sort of considered that you go there a fair bit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just gosh, saying yeah. I, you know <laughs> yes i know i know i gotta get that engine out fix that rear main actually so i should get onto that no sooner rather than later <laughs> yeah yeah oh, guys. put that else one in there <laughs> no <laughs> no i will not be doing that todd <laughs> all no. right guys hey thanks mm-hmm. for tuning in thanks for joining us on this podcast and um we'll catch you in a couple of weeks time thanks for tuning in Thanks, Nick. All right, thanks, Nick. See you, Todd. See you, Nick. See ya. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.